This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael. So all right, all right. So I'm flying solo this week while my partner, Hollywood, is away peddling his wares in some remote corner of the universe. Who knows where he is at this current time? He will return shortly, but in the meantime, I wanted to bring you guys a special interview episode I did with a band called Texas Hippie Coalition. Uh, But before we get into more with this, I wanted to talk about Rock and Pod 2. The Rock and Pod 2 Expo is coming again this year, August 26th in Nashville at the Nashville Palace. Now, if you guys listen to this show at all or any other of the amazing podcasts, you guys know about the Rock and Pod Expo. So this expo is awesome. It includes record vendors, podcasters. Uh, we have music panel discussions. Various rock stars show up. And, of course, there's tons and tons of very, very cool podcasts going on. Uh, and all these podcasts create just amazing amounts of content to share with you guys over the course of the following month or so after that. I mean, just tons of really, really cool interviews and cool tidbits and specials that go on. It's just a great thing. And plenty of listening enjoyment comes out of that. We've had a lot of good response from that. That's why we're doing it again this year. So, We need your help to do this, and we need your help sooner than later. Even though the expo isn't until August, we need you guys to go out there to the GoFundMe page and help us out. Donate. That's the only way this thing happens. Go to GoFundMe forward slash RockinPod2018. And donate, donate whatever you can, whether that's five bucks, 10 bucks, we would love for you to become a VIP. You're going to get some special and cool content that nobody else is going to have access to. We also got tons of cool perks. So we want you to go there and donate in the name of Growing Up Rock and pick up some of these cool perks. You can come on our show and pick up a t-shirt or come on and basically take over our show play whatever tunes you want to play, talk about whatever rock and roll you want to talk about. It's very, very cool. Come on with Sonny and I, and we will have a fantastic time. So help us out. Go donate at the Rock and Pod 2018, and let's get this thing funded and have an awesome time. If you can make it out to Nashville in August, that would be even better because we would love to meet all the listeners. So help us out. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Thank you, Samantha. Appreciate that. And we will get back to the grown-ups of the week next week when Sonny's back in town. 
We want to thank everybody who has shared and has helped out. And we'll have a couple of weeks worth of grown ups of the week to share with you guys. So we haven't forgotten you. It's just uh, we want to get this interview episode down. And because I'm flying solo and have no unearthly idea of what I'm doing on my own, that's why I need Hollywood sitting in the co pilot seat to help us out with those grown ups of the week. We are going to get into this interview episode that we did with Texas Hippie Coalition. So listen, I discovered this band through Spotify. I had heard of them before, but didn't know a whole lot about the band. Uh, the band plays what they call Red Dirt Metal. And so that's essentially what they coined their type of music, their brand of music. They are from Texas, and they absolutely fly that flag high. I really didn't know a ton about this band. I wasn't even sure whether they were uh, hard and heavy rock and roll or not. You got to love a name like Texas Hippie Coalition. <laughs> anyway, I saw this band was coming to town on a tour at the end of the month, and I wanted to learn more about it. So I set out to have a conversation with uh, the founding singer of the band, Big Dad Rich. And Big Dad Rich was cool enough to spend a little time and talk with us on the phone. And we captured that interview with us today, and it was awesome. Uh, so we learned some stuff about the band, and we share a few things and share a few laughs. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. So the band reminds me of kind of a cross between uh, ZZ Top, uh, Pantera, Black Label Society, kind of if you throw all that stuff into the blender, that's basically what they come out to be. Texas Hippie Coalition consist of Big Dad Rich on vocals, who's the founding member of the band, Cord Poole on guitar, Tim Braun on drums, and Nevada Romo on guitar. And up until January, uh, John Exall was uh, also a founding member and part of the band. He left the band to pursue other things. And so they are in the process of replacing him. Uh, right now, they're just using the hired gun for this upcoming tour, which they are dubbing the year of the bull tour and they're going out for about three months with cobra and the lotus opening up it's a package tour there are, i think are a total of three or four bands but primarily it's texas hippie coalition and cobra and the lotus cobra and the lotus of course are getting um some good recognition lately they're a pretty good band you need to check them out check them out for sure. So Texas Hippie Coalition has put out a total of five records, uh, starting with Pride of Texas in 2008. From there, uh, Roland in 2010, Peacemaker in 2012, Ride On on 2014 and dark side of black in 2016 so they've been pretty consistent with one album every couple of years big dad gets into the new record that they're working on we talk about taking time 
to get this record and get it exactly how they want it. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. We talk a little bit about that. We talk a little bit about the tour. Um, We share some of his growing up rock story. He's a fun guy to talk to for sure. So the first song that I heard from this band, which is what I'm going to play, and that'll play us into the interview, uh, was like I said, this song that popped up on Spotify. And Spotify Spotify has really, really been the best out of all the subscription services I've tried, which right now I'm in the phase of trying Apple Music. But out of all the subscription services, streaming services I've tried, Spotify so far has been the best about just recommending stuff that is right up my alley. So they'll put together these um, new music radar list and things like that that say, uh, hey, if you dig this or you've listened to this, check this band out. And almost 99% of the time when I try a band that they've recommended to me, I dig it. And I go out and I search for other stuff by that band. Texas Hippie Coalition, or THC as they're known, go figure, is part of that. So uh, I heard this song and went out and started checking out the rest of the music and all these records that they've put out thus far, as far as I'm concerned, are pretty consistent. Like I said, they're kind of a cross between Pantera, ZZ Top, uh, Black Label Society, just, I mean, set the Jack Daniels bottle on top of the Marshall stack, crank it to 11, put your sunglasses on, and rock. I mean, (laughs) you're not going to get a whole lot of ballads. You'll get some slower portions of songs here and there, but you're not going to get a whole lot of ballads with this band, man. They just crank it out. Uh, And so it's pretty cool. Big Dad Rich has this nice um, kind of uh, low-end rumble to his voice, and uh, then he just belts it out in uh, certain parts of the song. And it just comes off really cool, really aggressive. I mean, definitely makes you want to go break some shit uh, (laughs) for sure. But hey, that's that's the way it is, man. Hard and heavy. That's the way I like it. Definitely check this band out. Check out this interview coming up with Big Dad Rich. But first, let's check out this song by them called Hands Up. Call 
Brad Rick from the Texas Hippie Coalition, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast. All right, Big Dad Rich, thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. Is that how I address you? Is it Big Dad Rich? Is it Mr. Rich? Is it BDR? How, how, how do you want to be addressed, sir? I get called every name in the book, so just pick one. <laughs> <laughs> Been around the block a couple times, have you? Right on, right on. BDR be fine, or boss, whichever you prefer. All right, the boss is easy. BDR is equally as easy. We're going to get into the upcoming tour, and I believe you have a new record coming out. Is that correct? Sure enough. Sure enough. All right, sweet. But before we get into all that, let's kind of go back and start a little bit at the beginning. So our podcast is Growing Up Rock, and we like to kind of dig into the artist early beginnings so we kind of understand where you come from. And so what was your foray into music and rock music in general? How did you end up in rock music? Whenever I first started, I started with a real heavy band called Necromancer, which was pretty heavy. And then I went on to have God Awful Mess, which was starting to lean a little bit towards more towards the party rock and roll type music like Motley Crue and stuff like that. And then finally developing THC, the Band of Outlaws, Texas Hippie Coalition, and uh, getting the music fine-tuned to uh, right exactly where you know I kind of thought music needed to be because... Whenever we started uh, Texas Hippie Coalition, you know, I really just started it to play local clubs and, you know, maybe have a chance at some pretty girls because I was in a band or something. <laughs> and uh, it just happened that it took off and became something much bigger. I know a lot of people out there try their whole lives to try to have something like that. And, you know, that's one thing that just kind of fell on my lap, you know. You're talking about kind of the early days in the band. And for me, what I was referring to as far as you as a kid, just kind of getting your feet wet and experiencing music for the first time. Oh, man, you know, my whole family, we get together in Texas or Oklahoma back in the day. Everybody was on the front porch picking and grinning. You know, everybody played something, even if it was just couple of five gallon buckets somebody was going to be playing something and uh you know my mom and dad luckily enough you know were both lovers of music and my dad turned me on to everything from van halen to steve miller to bob seger johnny cash willie nelson waylon jennings you know all the really good stuff and my mom you know she always turned me on to some of the more flamboyant stuff, you know, like maybe Elton John and okay. the Beatles and other kind of stuff like that. So it was just eclectic, you know, just able to draw on everything. And I think that's one of the great things about Texas Hippie Coalition is that, you know, a lot of genres kind of hard to put us in a genre based group because, you know, we're, we're all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Know, that's why we created our own line, which is the red dirt metal line, you know, and we're the first and, yeah, we might be the only ones in the line, but I know we're the first ones in that line. <laughs> Red Dirt Metal from Red River Valley, Texas, right? Right on, right on. Yeah. All right. And so your parents obviously influenced you and shared a bunch of their different genres of music with you, which kind of influenced you in all kinds of areas. Do you remember the first album that you bought with your own money? The first album I bought was uh, T for the Tillman by Cat Stevens. Right on. But I had collected um, a lot of, I, I just remember that because 
I lost it finally getting to be able to get a full length album. I had my own record player and I could only play the little what they call eight by tens or something. I can't even remember what they're called. 45s. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the little 45s at first, and then 33 and a third became the big albums. But yeah, 45s, I, I owned those myself at one point in time. That's what I started off with as yeah. well. I didn't have a TV as a kid, you know, growing up. You know, we yeah. didn't have a TV in the house till I was like 11 or so. So I had a little record player, and I was, I had like, I think the first two. Little forty fives that I ever bought was like ABCs and one two threes by the Jackson Five. Right on. And for some reason, I think I, I think I got Mac Davis's Hard Headed Woman or something like that. I can't remember what it was. It was something like that. <laughs> That's cool. Crazy. Yeah, you had the uh, the record player that was a record player and a speaker kind of all in one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that story. Yeah. I had one as well. It, it buttoned up like a suitcase, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The time I was five, though, you know, I could run my dad's stereo for him, make sure his radio or whatever station he wanted at all was working right. And he finally started letting me buy albums myself. And thanks because our taste in music was along the same pattern. Right on. I think he kind of freaked out on me when I brought Motley Crue in later on, but no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think we were both in the same boat with our parents at that point in time. You talked about uh, being on the front porch and a picking and grinning and, and everybody playing something. Now, you're the singer in THC, but do you also, do you play any instruments? Man, if I do, people get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you're a man that knows his own boundaries, right? You stick to the... Do you write all the lyrics for the band? Yeah, yeah, I write all the lyrics. And uh, pretty much, you know, composition and, you know, uh, final structure of the songs and stuff. Uh, you know, trying to make sure that everything is fitting to the storytelling or fitting to where the, sure. I think the song is coming from. Making sure it's delivered to the fans, you know, in, in the best way. On all these albums, you know, I've written with about a dozen plus writers and just been blessed to have a lot of great songwriters to work with. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, back in the day, did you have the opportunity to see a lot of concerts or attend a lot of shows when you were a kid, you know, a teenager growing up? I think you're from a fairly small town, so I don't know how easy that was for you. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, when I was real little, I can't even remember how old I'd be. You'd probably have to go back and check and see what year it was. But I'm pretty sure I was under the age of seven, maybe around five or six. There was a big concert that was held in Hawaii and Washington State on the same weekend. I think it was called Rainbow Bridge or something like that. Uh-huh. And that was the first one I ever went to was the one in Washington State with my dad. And it was a festival-like atmosphere, kind of trippy you know um i think they wanted to be like woodstock i don't think it ever got the gravity of woodstock but i heard it was a pretty big thing back then and i think Jimi hendrix was there and wow it was pretty crazy and uh but later on in life you know i went you know when i started being able to go myself you know i, I started i've probably seen pantera about 30 35 times sure. you know so a lot of about probably five to eight of those times in my hometown so yeah, because those guys are from around there. Now, let me ask you this: Did you see? Uh, did you see Pantera in their uh, hair metal days? Oh yeah, like when they very first, whenever you know, Dimebag looked like somebody's little kid. Yeah, they uh, played on downtown Main Street 
like an old uh, an old movie theater there, and um, Terrence was the lead singer back then. Yep, I've seen him play with Terrence probably about five or six times. Right? Did you have any brushes with greatness? I call them as a kid when you were growing up. Did you ever? For me, like I I used to wait backstage occasionally by the buses and stuff if I wanted to meet somebody cool or get an autograph or anything like that. Did you uh, Did you ever do anything like that when you were growing up? Man, you know, I remember one time, like, my dad, I think my dad was trying to buy some weed in a bar somewhere down in South Texas somewhere, and I was with him, and um, I remember there was a guy that was asleep on the pool table, and, uh, like, nobody would let him, you know, nobody would let him, anybody wake him up or jack with him or anything, you know, and uh, I found out, you know, later on in life, we were talking to some of my dad's friends and stuff, you know, about being there and what was going on, and they were, you know, remembering back to when that happened and talking about it and come to find out that was Stevie Ray Vaughan that was asleep on that pool table. That's a trip. Later on in life, you know, I, um, you know, hell I've, you know, like people always say, you know, are you friends with certain people? You know, I'm not really friends with them. I don't even know if I'm an acquaintance actually, (laughs) you know, but, um, bumping into dime bag, you know, out partying one night and, uh, Everybody, there was a guy taking pictures with this uh, camera and you could get your picture taken for five bucks. And everybody started asking Dimebag to take pictures with him and everything. And then I asked the guy if I could get him to take a picture of me. And I had a couple of girls with me and, I, and he was like, you want to get your picture taken with uh, Dimebag or whatever? And I was like, no, I'm going to get my picture taken with these two girls over here. <laughs> so I'm getting in, the, in that picture, even though I had it taken with the two girls, once it got developed, I had Dimebag autographing for me. <laughs> That's fantastic. That sounds right out of a movie. But uh, no, man, I uh, some of the greatest things just being out on tour, uh, meeting Rob Halford and getting to talk to him for a little bit, man, and just how cool he was and down to earth he was. And it was just... Uh, a big fan of THC's, loved the band, you know, had two of our albums, was talking about songs on the albums that he dug and stuff. And I just, it was kind of crazy, you know, pretty cool. So going back just for a minute to the Peacemaker uh, album, you guys worked with uh, Bob Marlette, uh, produced that record, correct? He sure did. He yeah. Sure did. And he, he did quite a bit of stuff, uh, looks like, uh, with Ralph Halford. So did, did that connection kind of come through him? Man, no, it didn't. It actually just came about because Rob was a fan of the band. And when they were pitching bands to open for them in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, our name came up. So that that's how that got pushed through. But Bob did help us get on Leonard Skinner for, uh, I think, ten, about 10 or 12 dates. Awesome. Bob was a big, significant part of us helping us get on that. And um, I'm actually writing with Bob Marlette right now for the for the new album. Yeah, I noticed, uh, I read somewhere, who who knows, while I was doing my research, but I, I read somewhere that you had recently written with him or were currently writing with him for the record. He's not actually producing the new record, though, right? Yeah, that's that's right now. That's what it's looking like, um, that Bob will be producing this album. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so you're still in the uh, writing phase for this new record then, so do you guys project when you'll be recording and when that record might see the light of day yeah i think that we'll be finished with it in august probably okay because we have so much touring going on you know we have uh, a seven week uh, headlining tour throughout the united states east coast to west coast 
even making stops in places we don't usually visit, but every three or four years, like California and yep. New York area. So um, it's going to be kind of hit, you know, hit and miss things shooting here and there. But our hopes are to have it done by August. Uh, labels want to be pushing a single by the end of the year, and uh, then come around to the beginning of next year, pushing a second single upon the uh, CD release. You guys uh, are pretty consistent, it looks like, in your history for putting out an album every two years, basically. That's basically the reason why we're taking our time on this, because we've always been uh, having to meet deadlines. So this time I just asked for no deadlines, just let me finish it on my own accord. And uh, that way we don't have an album where maybe one or two songs that I was hoping wouldn't make the album that another, these other songs might have time to develop and push those songs off the album. Um, you know, the last album we really, the 10 we went with were really the 10 we ended up with. And it just seemed like there was more room for more songs and more chance for the band to grow musically than, than we were given the time span to do. So, um, we toured so heavily on the album prior coming straight in and being shoved in a little three-month period to have writing and the album done and ready to go. It just kind of made it to where I just made sure that everybody understood this time that um, I was going to go at my own pace. And, you know, I want to have, you know, like right now we're sitting on about probably about 15 songs right now. Okay, great. That's fantastic. And what's it shaping up? Is it, I mean, for for my taste anyway, it seems like the albums have been pretty consistent throughout your history. I mean, they've been along the the same lines, which is good for me. I don't. I'm one of those individuals that doesn't really like surprises. I understand as an artist, sometimes people want to kind of, you know, go in different directions. But how, how's this album shaping up and the songwriting shaping up for this record? There, you know, there are two songs on here that just, uh, one's called License to Kill, and it's just fair enough to be, you know, like, I think that, you know, like, we've never had the thought process, you know, go and write a hit, you know what I mean? So I don't think that's what we try to do on, mm-hmm. you know, really any of the albums. It just, if it happens, it happens, and we luck out, you know, so, you know, just a great storytelling song like License to Kill, another one called Bullseye that is, uh, a great story, great storyline. And then there's a, a song that's reminiscent to leaving or even a little bit of groupy girl kind of, which is a song called uh, moonshine, which is, uh, you know, how a lot of people say, you know, um, this girl, she's my sunshine, you know, she's the love of my life. She's my sunshine. This is our way of saying she's the love of the love of my life. Right. She makes my moonshine. <laughs> right on. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun right now. The writing team that we have together with uh, Nevada Romo and uh, Cord Pole, and also getting a lot of input from Timmy Braun. Of course, Bob helping make some of the songs get fully developed and also bringing some good stuff to the table as well. Now, you kind of formed this band with John Exall, your ex-bass player back in the day. Is that right? Sure enough. And he left in January, was it? Yes, sir. Now, how, yes, sir. have you guys uh, named a new bass player, or are you just picking up bass player for the tour, or what's what's happening on that front? You know, we got a hired gun that we had play a few shows with us back earlier in the year, old Reb Jones out of Oklahoma City. Cool. And uh, right now, we're you know he's not able to tour 
constantly, like we like to tour. He also works with George Thurgood and has some other stuff that he does. He actually has his own band, the Rev Jones Band, and uh, he's played with like Michael Shanker, The Doors, and Still Heart. And it's just, you know, he's a great guy and he's got a great sound, good fit and everything. Just He's just too busy um, to work with us at this moment. So right now we're just going to be running with a hired gun could be more than one person but sometimes all said and done it could uh be that we find the person that's a good fit personality wise and uh style wise that uh, you know he just makes texas takes texas hippie coalition to a higher level and if uh you know we're always looking for a new high so if that person comes along you know maybe we'll have us a full-time lifetime whatever you want to call it member but sure. you know we just we got to get down the highway no matter what we do you know you know me and john we still talk we still communicate um, we're both doing some stuff to help out one of the families that belongs to our uh, belongs to the coalition family members, and we're still uh, doing stuff to help those families, and we're working together to help those families out. So, me and John will be uh, friends forever, and I'm I'm sure that you haven't seen the end of us two working together as well. That's great. That's great. So, do you have a uh, working name for the new album? No, no, I'm not. Like I said, I'm, I'm not going to allow anybody to put any deadlines on me. Right. I'll. Uh, I'll hand over probably 20 songs here uh, before the end of August, uh, early September. And then from there, we'll see what happens. Cool. So no new album, but we're getting ready to jump out on the road for what looks like about three months, uh, roughly. And it's and it's called the Year of the Bull Tour. And you guys got uh, Cobra and Lotus opening up, which is uh, they're getting a little bit of recognition here lately. So uh, that's uh, quite a package tour that's, uh, like you said, going to play uh, some places that maybe you haven't played in quite a while. Tell me a little bit more about this package and about this tour coming up. You know, this tour actually begins, we got our first show April the 19th in Salt Lake City, Utah. And then we're going rolling over into Colorado for 420 and 421 in Denver in Colorado Springs, and that's our annual 420 induction that we do. We induct uh, family members into the high and mighty, and um, the fans pick six this year, and then I'm adding six in myself personally this year, so we'll have the baked dozen. So, so what is that? Tell me about that, because I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. Every year I used to, and I used to hand patches over to people every year. And very few, like two, three people, you know. Right. And uh, people just grew. And these are people that would, when we come to their town, they would help load in, load out. They would bring food. They would give us a place to stay, you know, just all kinds of people just being wonderful, you know. And right. so they would ask about the patches that we wore. And at that time, we didn't sell them. We didn't offer them to the public. And we started handing them out. And then so many people just like wanted them. And it was hard to just hand out, you know five or six years so we decided to start selling them put them on the market with the patches but then we made it to where you get a special patch that says family member and um i decided to, instead of because the fans were growing you know used to be playing in front of 100 200 it's grown to you know small four or five hundred you know bigger crowds you know thousand twelve hundred so it just kind of kept growing it's kind of hard to keep up with everybody so Sure. We started letting the fans, if you have a cut, you take a picture of yourself with your cut, and you can vote for three people. And then after everybody votes, we take the top vote-getters, 
and we put them out there for everyone in the public to vote on to see which of these gets to be inducted in that year. It's always a different number. Last year it was nine. The year before that it was 11. The year before that it was 13. And this year it'll be 12. This really basically depends on how many votes are cast and um, how many people have a high number of votes. So this year we had 13 people with a lot of votes. So we have all 13 of them out there for the public to go and uh, vote for their top three. And we'll get that down to six and add it to the six that I've already had previously selected. And uh, just making everybody more of a part of it, you know, like we always have big eat and greets and gatherings like on uh, October the 16th, we're in uh, Oklahoma City playing the Diamond Ballroom. And at 4.20 p.m. we have a free open to the public all age eat and greet. And we have tacos for everybody. Free that's tacos. awesome. That's so, <laughs> just the kind of band we are when we tour. You know, we want people to understand that you're more than fans to us, your family. I want these people to have an understanding how much I appreciate them putting food on my table and a roof over my head. That's freaking cool as hell, man. Eat and greet. I freaking love it. That's fantastic. Man, that is very, we very have a, cool. We have another one in Chicago on this tour coming up, and it's free barbecue for everybody. Well, that is a trip, man. I have not heard that. And and we will, um, in the show notes, we'll connect the tour dates because uh, when we release this podcast episode, um, it'll be before uh, this tour kicks off on April 19th. So people will have a chance to download this episode, listen to it. They'll get a run of all the dates uh, that you got coming up. I'm particularly looking forward to the Atlanta date because... That is where I am located, and I will be coming out to see you guys at the Masquerade. Right on. We love Atlanta. We have an understanding that the Masquerade has changed venues, same name, different yep. place. So yep. we're looking forward. Those people are always great to us. We never claim to be rock stars, but they always treat us as such, as though we are. And it's very much appreciated. And uh, just can't wait to get back to Atlanta. You know, we love our Atlanta people, and uh, it seems like a, a, lot, a lot of pretty girls there in Atlanta. Always <laughs> love the Southern girls. Yeah, absolutely. Texas Hippie Coalition has been somewhat of a new find on my list. So I've heard about the band, but I'm not one of those individuals that goes, yeah, I was there from the beginning because I wasn't. It was one of those things where I'd heard the name before and at some point in time, it pops up on a recommendation, whether it's through Spotify or whether it's through something, uh, some other streaming service or whatever, and says, hey, if you like this, check this out. And I checked it out and I was like, wow, this is really good stuff. So then I started going back and picking up the catalog one by one by one and found this consistency. And so I have to say that's one of the great things about music today is that you're able to discover things that maybe have been around, but are still new to you. So you got a new fan in me. I mean, that's why I reached out and uh, wanted to do this interview because at Growing Up Rock, we're all about things that happened in the 70s and 80s and things that we grew up with. But we're also about trying to turn people on to new rock and roll music. <laughs> As you guys said, rock is not dead. It's out there. You just got to find it. Exactly. And I mean, that's, you know, you're going to turn some fans on to us when they hear this and listen to your show. You'll be turning us on to people. And, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, we have so much success is, you know, even when it comes to uh, catalog sales, 
you know, our catalog sales are higher. We're always being told by our people that we're a discovery band, that every day new people discover us. And that's what we want to be. You know, just want to keep being discovered. And like I said, you're you're fixing to turn some people on to us. And then hopefully they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and so on. So yeah. Before you know it, I'm in every I'm in every household. There you go. And and you guys are doing your part. You said yourself. I mean, you you spend a lot of time on the road. I mean, you guys spend a ton of time out on the road, and I think that's what it's about nowadays is is really getting out there and playing live for people. And so, what do you do in your spare time in each of those towns or on your days off? How do you find to kill time? Man, Texas Hippie Coalition is twenty four seven for me. I don't ever get a chance to stop. I know it's a busy time, and but you have these periods where, you know, it's either before sound check or after a show when you're kind of hanging out, or if you've got a day off in a town and there's not a long distance to travel or, or something of that nature. I mean, what do you find to do? You have hobbies or you go after stuff? Mostly just smoke weed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> hey, you like what you like. That's fair enough. You got any uh, crazy stories? What's the most insane thing that's happened to you on stage before? Man, you know, that's, you know, people always ask, you know, like a crazy story. You know, I don't know what the deal is, but like either everybody's scared to act up or they're afraid to act up or something. <laughs> I don't have any crazy stories. You know? Nobody gets crazy on stage with Big Dad Rich, right? It sure seems that way. Yeah, right on. Well, listen. You got a few minutes here. Uh, you want to play what we call a potential lightning round, or in your case, we're going to call it the potential moonshine lightning round. What do you think? All right. All right. Here we go. Waylon or Johnny? Cash. Last album you bought? I just rebought um, Corrosion of Conformity Wise Blood. Okay, cool. Do you sing in the shower or the car? <laughs> Both. <laughs> and what song would we catch you singing? Probably one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have a guilty musical pleasure, like a pop or a rap or an R&B song, something that's out of the genre that people wouldn't expect you to be listening to? Drake. Okay. I love Drake. All right. It's you and a lot of other people. <laughs> How about your two Desert Island albums? Led Zeppelin's greatest hits, probably. All right. You get one more. One more? Oh, dang. Um, maybe Steve Miller's Greatest Hits. All right. I love that album. Cool. I got that one. Jack Daniels or PBR? <laughs> Jim Beam. <laughs> Either one. I like it. All right. Artists you haven't seen but would like to check out in 2018? Man, haven't seen and would like to see. I hear Beyonce's torn. I wouldn't mind seeing her. She is. I think she's playing the Enormo Dome here in Atlanta. Very cool. Well, Big Dad Rich, you've been awesome. Is there anything else you want to tell us about before we leave? Thank you, bro. No, nah, man, just everybody go check out thcofficial.com, man. Go visit the paraphernalia store. If I see you wearing my shit when I'm out in public, I always give people shit for free. I may walk up on you anywhere. I'm always keeping, like, um, backstage stuff from festivals and CDs and stuff, I keep them on me. And if I see anybody out in public, I always like to see somebody wearing my shit. Awesome. So if I see you out there wearing my shit, I'll give you some free shit. Just know that. And uh, just let everybody know, man, that um, 
like I said, I'm just going to go get high. Thank you all. <laughs> all right. And we're going to tie all the dot coms and all the addresses to our show notes so that you can reach out to THC and to Big Dad Rich. So that'll be awesome. Big Dad Rich, hang on the phone here for a minute. I appreciate your time and we will talk to you folks later. Thank you, brother. was a fun conversation with Big Dad Rich. Like I said, he's a fun guy. So we definitely enjoyed that conversation with him. We're looking forward to the concert coming at the end of April. We will tie together all the concert dates in our show notes. We'll put links to their website so you can go and see when they're coming to your town. I know they're starting out in Salt Lake City and making their way across the U.S. for, like I said, approximately three months with Cobra and Lotus. And I am going to be heading out to the show in Atlanta towards the end of April. I will be doing a full review that you'll be able to read at growinguprock.com. G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Make sure you head out to that website. We've got lots of reviews out there. Go check out some of the previous episodes of our podcast. Make sure you go and subscribe to our podcast. That way you don't miss any of these cool interviews we do or some of the themed episodes that my partner, Sonny Hollywood, Pooney, and I do because we have a lot of fun. We play a lot of great music, like tons of great music. So you don't want to miss that because part of our goal is to try and turn you on to some music you maybe you haven't heard before, as well as playing some that you maybe have heard. But we also like to play deep tracks. So that's one of our goals is to kind of not play the same songs that you might hear on radio or see the video for. You want to hear some other stuff from this band off the album that's where we like to go with some of the tunes that we play definitely check out texas hippie coalition check them out on tour make sure you subscribe to our podcast like the lovely samantha said and we are going to pick another tune to play uh, for sure we're going to go to a little bit different feeling song with these guys we're going to play something off their last album which is the dark side of black we are going to play a song called angel fall
Yep, that was a killer tune. Dug it. Uh, like I said, like a lot off this record. They're a cool band. Check them out. But we are going to close this thing down and move on. Uh, Hollywood will be back next week. Make sure you donate to the Rock and Pod 2 Expo. Uh, lots of cool content coming out. If you can make it out to Nashville, I suggest you take a vacation and head out to Nashville. There's plenty to do in Nashville. It's a fun time. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. And uh, we are going to close this thing out with another Texas Hippie Coalition song. And I am going to do a shuffle, rattle, and roll and let my iPhone pick out the tune. So that's it for us. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.